Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the latest Forza Italian Football podcast. After a long time behind the scenes trying to get this live, we finally, finally made it. I'm Connor Clancy and I'm joined, as always, by Luca Gumby. Luca, how's everything with you? Uh, not too bad. I think uh, the technical difficulties we're just having have... Uh had a bit of an impact on my motivation. So not not I'm not too keen to be speaking to you right now. Let's let's get going and then hopefully I'll get a bit more excited about the, the Italian football chat. Uh, speaking of people we're not too keen to talk to right now. Nicholas Carroll, how are you? Yeah, I'm a bit like Luca actually. Half an hour ago I was asleep. I kind of crashed on my bed after work. So um, hopefully a bit of chit chat will get me going as well. I also got a little bit of whiskey to help me. So good stuff. Go. It wouldn't be you if you didn't come with a drink in hand to the live recording of the podcast. So we are last week, we waited until the champions league rounds were over, but today or this week, rather, we're going to do it before Juventus play Porto. So I think that's where we'll start off. Nick, you've already done a bit of a preview on this game on FIF TV. So, what are we expecting of Porto then? Uh, I think the Porto, you know, obviously, as I kind of went through in the the preview, on paper, obviously, Juventus are the strongest side and everyone kind of has that expectation that they will kind of breeze through this tie. Um, And, you know, to be fair, you know, they do have the quality that they should be able to do that. But Porto is obviously a team that is no, they're not, new to Europe whatsoever. They have a lot of experience at this level of competition. So they uh, cannot be taken for granted in any way. Um, The big thing is with the first leg that it is in Porto is that they have been unbeaten uh, at home all season. Last time they were beaten, there was the 30th of April last year. So they are very hard to beat at home. Uh, So that in itself provides a bit of a kind of hurdle for Juve to get over. So It'll be interesting how um, how Porto go for it, given um, you know they they can be quite an attacking side, um, but at the same time they're one of the best defensive sides, if statistically wise, across Europe. So um, they can see less shots per game than any any of the top five clubs in Europe. So um, they're a very strong side all around. Um, I guess the the key thing being there the difference in the leagues. It is kind of hard to compare, but. Um, definitely not a team to be um, taken for granted. And as I kind of said at the end of the preview, I'm you know while Juventus technically should, with their quality, get a win, I don't necessarily think a draw is a bad result for the Bianconeri because uh, I, I do believe that would be enough for them to take it back to Juventus Stadium and get through. So 
you know, I think particularly if they do score one or a one or draw would be kind of a, a decent result for them. Yeah, well, Porto, as you said, they don't give up many chances, but it has to be said, neither do Juventus, especially when they yeah. play at home. So if Juventus can get, I'm trying not to wear too much black and white, but it's unfortunate <laughs> given last week's accusation. But if Juventus can take it back to Turin with a, a one-all draw, as you said, they're in a great position to go through. And hopefully they will do a little better than Napoli did in their first game. I, I should just warn you before we go on that I'm, I've come down with a bit of a cold throughout today, mainly in the last hour or two. So apologies if that's coming across, guys. And I understand if you don't really want to listen to me all that much. But there's, it doesn't seem to be all smooth sailing at Juve at the moment. They've had a few discipline issues, I think it's fair to say. Um, Leonardo Bonucci looks like he'll be sitting in the stands for this one. Um, I think he's being disciplined for a very public dispute with Massimiliano Allegri last weekend this isn't the first we've seen of that this year we discussed on the podcast an incident with Paolo Dybala who has often shown signs of being a bit unsettled when he's taken off he seems to think he's always the guy who gets taken off but um, Luca I'll move this one over to you do you think that there are a few problems at Juve that might bite them as they can I won't finish that they might come back to bite them as they look to continue in the Champions League? Um, it's, it's hard to say because it, it doesn't seem like a full-on mutiny or anything where there's like this real massive fallout with the coach. Obviously, you mentioned uh, Dybala was the one before when he refused to shake his hand. I think there was time with Lichtenstein and before they they sort of have this thing where the players, because like they're all so good, it's quite hard for them all to get the kind of playing time that they might once, so once they get uh, brought off, they do kind of tend to lash out a little bit. But And obviously it's in public, so everyone knows about it. But I, I don't think it's really a massive crisis. Obviously, Allegri's decided to stamp down on it now and sort of call Bonucci out publicly and make him not the scapegoat, but the, the one who has to take the punishment to set an example to the rest of the team. But I think, like, obviously Bonucci's a very good player, but... I don't think they seem to have like completely burned their bridges. I think Allegri said that he's not particularly concerned in some way. It's just he kind of had to sort of give this show strength and then afterwards I think they, they should be able to to move on, perhaps a bit of negative tension as well in that kind of sense, just that no one's bigger than the club or the manager will, will also sort of spur on some of those other players if they feel that stops them starting to get grievances where they feel people might be getting preferential treatment. I don't think it's a a major disaster in weighing it's just that Allegri felt kind of had to do something publicly you can kind of see that as well much he was talking about in the press conference is all sort of very much being done with a, a face quite towards the public it's not you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes but if he's talking about it publicly so much it seems sort of a bit it's sort of got a sort of media strategy to it it's not just a, a completely punitive thing for Benucci and I think they should be Fine, moving on. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it from that point of view. I only got the end of your answer there, really. Um, do you think it's going to be a straight swap then with Daniela Rugani coming in to replace Benucci? Or are we going to see a bit of a, a shift in tactics here? Uh, you would expect it to be just a straight swap, bring in... Rugani, I suppose Ben Ashley could be another option, but uh, like Rugani's come in and, and done that job already. And I think with it coming as a response to something that Benucci's done, it's as though it was a, a you know, as a kind of a short term move. You don't think he's going to necessarily change his system because of this is not something that would have been planned for. So I would just expect it to be a complete like for like swap. All right, Nick, have you anything to add or? Are you happy to move away from Juve? I think Luke, Luke has wrapped it up nicely. Okay, perfect. Um, we're going to go back to domestic action now and start in an unusual place along the Adriatic coast. <laughs> we're going to go to Pescara, who, well, they won their first game on the pitch this weekend, didn't they? And Luca, I'm sure you took a bit of joy from this. It was a, a 5 0 thumping of Genoa. And. <laughs> It was inspired by the magician, Zenek Zeman, who has returned to 
the Stadio Adriatico. And Nick, what more can we really say? Zeman is the man, right? Yeah, bringing back the glory days of Foggia, I think. Um, very exciting in some ways. There's been a, a lot of kind of positive energy going around after that. Um, I think most of us were all in shock as we were watching those goals fly in. But, yeah, I, uh, amazing. But I, I guess the big thing is now, you know, they need to back it up and um, continue. I don't think we should get too excited in terms of expecting any miracles um, from him and that team. You know, they are very much still limited in their um, you know, talent, I guess you could say. Um, you know, their resources are limited. But, yeah, it's good. It's, it's good to see them going out and trying, trying to go for it, playing um, some attacking football. Um, you know, clearly what they were doing wasn't working and this has so far. So, you know, it's, it's good to see these teams actually giving it a go because we were starting to get a bit depressed with uh, the bottom of the table um, given the lack of results and victories down there. Yeah, I thought I had a sort of kind of inevitability to it. I was just sort of, you see Zayman coming in, you know, <laughs> they're going to just smash a team. And Genoa have been awful. I don't think they've won since like the middle of December. It's kind of almost come mm. under the radar in a way how bad yeah, actually been. And obviously, you know, just pay for it. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, I mean, like, if you're going to go down, as sort of Nick said, if you're Pescar and like, you presumably gooned already, you might as well just have a bit of fun with the remaining yeah. games. And I think Caprari gave a good account of himself. He's on loan from Inter, so he might be uh, sort of trying to line up where he goes next. And it was uh, slightly interesting as well to have uh, is it Ahmed Benali from uh, Manchester scoring the goal from Pescara, the, the Libya international. But, yeah, it was a bit of fun. And just be interesting to see how Pescara keep up. There's some sort of videos of their training recently where they were doing the sort of retro running up and down the stands on somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it's just like, I feel like sorry for Otto when he was sort of crying in the, the dugout in the game before. It was just clear that it was over. And then Zayman comes in and, yeah, it's just a bit of a laugh, see, see how it goes. You don't imagine they're going to stay up if they can mm. have some fun and build time for next season's Serie B. But all the better for it. Yeah, they're 10 points now off... Empoli and 17th but do you think they're not going to stay up right like it's stupid to even try and argue anything otherwise Nick uh, yeah, what with their 10 points off Empoli mm-hmm. yeah it's nah it's, it's not, not on right. as much as we want it to be um, I, I'm just... trying to look at an angle or something <laughs> uh, I... no I, I can't <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw, but um, Zeman was actually asked. It might have been after the game or before it. I can't really remember. But he was asked, would he quit smoking if it meant that Pescara were to stay up this year? And he just looked at the reporter and said, no, I, I couldn't do it. Sorry. But <laughs> if, if there's anything to sum up Zenek Zeman, it's they scored five goals in their first game and he refused to give up smoking even if it kept them in Serie A. Um, we did get a question in actually about Zaman from the guys over at the final third. Based on tonight's Champions League games, they want to know is Zaman secretly managing both City and Monaco, judging by tonight's result? <laughs> You'd imagine he was there in some capacity. Uh, we'll move on if I can find the running order. Yeah. Oh, while, while we are just on Zaman, just a quick shout out. Um, our good friend Vieri has posted a video on the YouTube page about Zeman and his uh, history in the game. And um, so be sure to check that out if uh, you're not too familiar with him or you want to relive the glory days. Um, have a quick watch of that. It's good stuff. Yeah, Vieri's done a good job there. And thanks for reminding me because Vito Doria is actually writing about Zeman as well this week, which I'm expecting in maybe tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, but yeah, like the romance of Zeman returning to Serie A was too romantic for everyone at Forza Italian Football to just turn a blind eye to. Um, so we're going to take it down a bit now and talk about Fabio Quagliarella, who has had, well, he's had some week and a past 10 years, really, by the looks of it. <laughs> he cried in his post-match interview after scoring in the one-all draw with Cagliari and he basically explained that this was because 
a policeman who was convicted of stalking him between 2007 and 2010 when he was at Napoli, I believe, had been convicted. So the policeman basically was found guilty of sending Quagliarella defamatory letters in which he accused the player falsely, I should add, of all manner of crimes from taking drugs with Camorra members to having sex with underage girls. And it was really nasty stuff. Um, it's obviously come out now that this was the reason that Qualiarella left mm. his hometown club. And it, that was always a bit of a strange thing when he left them. But it's kind of good now that this has been put to bed because I don't know about you guys, but Fabio Qualiarella is someone I've always had a lot of time for. He's been one of those players that I've always enjoyed watching. And I kind of wish that he made more of the ability that he undoubtedly has. But when you see things like this happening to the guy off the pitch and it's invading his personal life and his family. And I don't know if you guys want to add any comments on it, Nick, I'll, I'll go to you first if you want to add anything. Yeah, I agree with you in terms of his, um, the talent and almost he's just been a very unlucky footballer in a lot of ways. And then now when you get all this other side of it in the background that's been going on, it's, um, it is quite sad to be honest to, you know, he seems like, you know, he's always been quite a, a good guy in, in the media with the public and everything. So um, it'd be interesting. I'd be interested to hear actually um, the take from Napoli fans about um, this because I'm sure a lot of them, when it happened, when he went to Juve, weren't that happy about it. So um, I'm sure it will change a few opinions on that um, from them. But, um, yeah, it's, it, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one. It's just a bit sad. <laughs> I don't yeah, know what else to say. He's always got a bit of grief from the Napoli fans whenever he's gone back there. And remember, he scored for Torino. It might have been a penalty in Naples, and he, he just held his hands up as if yeah. it's not to celebrate. But um, so he came out and said, I wouldn't wish what happened to me on anyone. Um, my family was threatened as a professional. I have always tried to stay concentrated on the pitch, but it wasn't easy. This sentence has lifted a huge weight off my shoulders, and hopefully we can see that as the season goes on and with whatever time we have left of watching Fabio Qualiarella play. Luca, you've obviously seen him quite closely being a Samp fan. Do you want to give any comments on it or anything? Yeah, no, I think I just just the extent sort of what, what Nick said. And it's just sort of very sad. Like even though he's been around the league and he's played for he's played for like he's played for both Torino and Juventus, I think both mm. both sets of fans still kind of hold him in quite I regard he's always sort of been professional. He, he, like, I think fans just generally quite like him, even uh, when Sampdoria used to go away and he'd be playing for a different team. He always used to sort of like acknowledge the fans and be kind of just for him to have spent all that time being hated, essentially, by his own local fans for something that's completely beyond his control. It's just it's just very sad, as mentioned. And I suppose the or every Napoli fan must sort of have a sort of slight sense of guilt beyond their control where they felt that they'd just been let down by him and they just had no no idea of the, the reality of the circumstances. It's just a slow-moving process and no one would have had any idea until until recently. It's just just sort of tragic, really, that he had to put up with all the um, sort of stick he used to get for something that was kind of completely behind his control and you just... Yeah, it's just, just very sad. Yeah, hopefully the Napoli fans do come out with some sort of showing of support for Qualiarella. Um, Despite all this, he's played 355 games in Serie A and scored 101 goals. So he's not done too badly, given what he's had to put up with. Nick, we'll move away from this and we're going to look at Milan Fiorentina. Our <laughs> favourite talking point this season is, but well, one of them anyway, is Fiorentina. You reacted to this pretty immediately on the YouTube channel with the What Just Happened video with Dov, and I think Connell was on, so you would have had some fun there. Yeah. But go on, tell us what, what happened. Yeah, it was an odd game, I guess you could say. The, the first half, as a neutral fan, I guess you could say it was, um, it did have a few highlights in terms of there was a lot of chances at both ends, and it was quite open. Um, the quality of football wasn't great, uh, to be frank. And then, um, but, you know, there were obviously those three goals. So it was looking like um, it could be quite a 
kind of goal fest given that both defences didn't look that great, um, to be honest. And then in the second half, um, the game basically died almost. Um, Milan just completely sat back. Fiorentina dominated the possession but didn't do much with the ball, which has been a a very common thing with uh, the Viola, unfortunately. Um, Ball possession is not a problem, but actually doing something meaningful with it is a whole other story for them. Um, we we kind of discussed the likes of uh, Federico Bernadeschi not being there um, and how much of an impact that has. But at the same time, the thing with Fiorentina is they um, all their, a lot of their chances come from outside the box, and they just struggle to actually get inside the box and create proper chances, which is a massive concern. Um, and the, as as we kind of discussed, the likes of Federico Chiesa. The, the reliance on him almost is such a young guy that's just come into that team full of experienced players. The, 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 the reliance on him to be creating and getting into that box and putting balls in uh, is, is somewhat ridiculous given his age. He should be kind of just, you know, the experience of players around him should be bringing him in gradually, not looking at him to create for them. Like it just, um, it all, it's all doesn't seem, you know, I've, I've probably, I think there was a whole video that we had on Fiorentina and I kind of slagged them off for seven minutes. So I do feel bad for Viola fans because they are some of the, the, the I won't say the better, but they are some great fans um, of that team out there. I'm very passionate, obviously, but I can only imagine how frustrating it is for them because, you know, they should be fighting for at least a European place, but the way they're playing, it just seems like they're a long way off of that. Um you know, you look at the what they've thir- well, actually of their goal stats. Thirty-one percent of their goals have been from uh, outside the box, which you know compare that to Inter twelve and a half percent, Roma thirteen percent, Napoli thirteen percent, Lazio two percent, and Juventus um, is nineteen point six percent. But even them, you know, you can allow that with Juventus given the amount of talent they have. Fiorentina don't have that amount of talent and can't. So it's 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 um, it's a concern, and you got a question. Obviously, there's a lot of questions about the coach uh, Paolo Sosa, but the heart and the determination of the players is has to be also looked at because at, at times it just doesn't seem like they want to be there. Surely, by now, Paolo Sosa is living on borrowed time in Florence because it's been just disappointment after disappointment this year. Um, Kev wrote a piece earlier in the season, I think it was this season anyway, about that very topic that Pelo Sosa needs to start turning things around and it just hasn't happened. Mm. Do you think he could realistically be out of a job by the end of the season or will they wait, see how this year goes and then take a decision on his future from there? I think they will wait till the end of the season. I mean, you know, given modern football, probably not. But, I mean, I think they will... Like at this point, wait till the end of the season. But beyond that, it's it doesn't look good for his future there. Um, which I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Um, you know, I don't. I think he's been good there, but it just doesn't seem like it's working for them anymore. Um, and his his approach, I don't know. It doesn't seem to be doing too much for them. He definitely doesn't seem to be motivating his team, which is a major issue. And um, I mean, you can see. Possibly you could use the whole um, De Boer to Pioli thing as an example of the, the, how different um, uh, some motivation of the players can can help. So, um, yeah, I, I don't see him lasting too much longer beyond the, this season. Yeah, I think um, a lot of top managers do say that there's only so many times you can tell the same group of players the same things. Fiorentina yeah. um, started last season very well and then it just faded off quite dramatically so maybe maybe his time is just up and it's reached its natural end we're going to move on again to Roma and another person we've consistently spoken about this year is Edin Dzeko um, I, I sent you anyway Nick I might have sent it to the two of you during the week a little screenshot of a photo saying that Edin Dzeko was worth 90 million euro given what he's done in Serie A this year. Um, so is it a case that he's actually really good and we're all idiots? Or 
what are we missing here? Luca, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I think I think you're all idiots. Like, uh, and I, I've never slagged him off from a a public platform, so I don't I don't have as much egg on my face. But yeah, it's just he's on fire, really, isn't he? It's just everything everything he hits goes in, and it's all he does. He scores goals. Every, just well. when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What more do you want? They, they brought him in as the big striker last year, didn't work, and then slowly it's got clicking. Well, yeah, that's just what they need, Roman. They've got all the attacking midfield players to, to create for him. Everything he touches turns to goals and goes in. So, he he yeah. did have that spell recently where... He just couldn't find the net. It seemed like he couldn't pay to score a goal. And then he scored a couple. And I asked you, Nick, was this going to be Ed and Jacko hitting some form? And to be fair, you did, you did say probably because that seems to be how he works. He'll do nothing for six to eight weeks. Then he'll score a couple. And then he'll be unstoppable for a month or two. And yeah, this, this run's going to come to an end, right? Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's, I, mean, I think I don't know how many times we've said that on the pod this year, but it's, it's just down to confidence with him. I think if you even look back to his Manchester City days, um, he was very efficient there. He would come on and he would, he would score goals at times whenever he needed a limited amount of time. So I don't think his talent has never really been questioned by many. As much as, you know, we might mock him or... Roma fans even mock him. Um, most of Serie A mock him. But, um, you know, the, the talents, I don't think anyone's really questioned his ability. We know he can do it. It's just a matter of what's going on inside that head and how much um, confidence plays a part with his game because it, it's clearly a huge factor. And you can see that you look at the form that he's in now compared to last season and that's completely down to that. I don't think that's... I, I mean, he hasn't really had many injury problems or anything like that. So um, he's generally got the same line behind him, providing for him. You know, Roma's attack last season was very much the same. It was vibrant, dynamic, uh, down the wings, Mohamed Salah. It was the same kind of thing. It was just it was missing that central forward finishing the opportunities. And now he's actually finally doing that. He's got his confidence up and we can see what a difference that makes with him. So, and and to be honest, this is what he should be doing because, um, not to put him down, but he his his shots per game is only second to Cristiano Ronaldo in Europe. So he he should be scoring this amount of goals because, and you look at the opportunities that he gets, they're a lot better than some of the other strikers um, going around Europe. A lot in the penalty in uh, penalty area in the in the six yard box. So. Um, not to take away from his goals, he's in magnificent, magnificent form, but this is the kind of form that I guess Roma has been looking for him to produce and what Roma needed him to produce for them to actually be more consistent. So it just seems like a confidence thing for him and if he can hopefully 
keep himself going, then um, good for the Jalarossi, I guess. But yeah. surely as well for him to be getting all these chances as always, like, that is positive and he's doing that for himself. It shows that he's, like, he's moving well and he's off the ball stuff. Is hmm. is there, it's not just that everyone is doing all the work and he's just, like, finishing it and taking the glory. That's probably the most difficult thing in many ways that standard of football is to, to get the space to, to finish chances. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would say even when he was out of form, that's one thing you could say with him because his shots per game were still very high and some of the top highest in Europe. So his his ability to actually get those chances, as you said, Luca, is um, is very very good and probably goes unnoticed when he does have those misses and he's not in that great of form. Um, but yeah, he has a fantastic ability to do that. Yeah, Roma do play Inter this weekend, which is definitely a big game. I think there's an eight point gap between the two at the moment, but it's I think it's fair to say it's unlikely that Inter will get top three. But if should they win, it really closes the gap a little bit and it will start to put pressure on Roma and Napoli in second and third. Nick, how do you see this game going? Yeah, it's it's intriguing. I'm I'm nervous as an Inter fan, but I'm also really intrigued as a Serie A slash football fan because I'm not sure how it's going to play out um, given that obviously Roma have been in incredible form. But if you look at the... Um, they haven't actually played a top seven side in Serie A this, this year in 2017. So um, a lot of... I mean, they've played Fiorentina who were eighth, uh, Torino ninth, I think, and then um, all the rest have been below that. So... And that's, I don't mean that to take away from their form because I think, if anything, their thumping of Villarreal was a good sign that it is actually some really good form. But I'm intrigued to see how that actually carries against one of Serie top sides and informed sides, I think it's fair to say, with regards to Inter. So I am intrigued in that. Um, a concern on the Inter side of things is that Miranda is, uh, will serve a suspension, which, um, given Roma's attack, and Inter's defence, usually, which Miranda is usually the the kind of the, the central point, um, it is a major concern for me. So, um, is it that big of a problem though with your boy Trent Sainsbury? Well, that's that's I had that in capital letters for my next point here. <laughs> well, um, it's interesting because now I'm another intri- intriguing point to this match is how Pioli plays this, given that Miranda's out. Um, we've seen that he has used that kind of experimental 3-4-2-1. He used it against Juventus, obviously, in that narrow 1-0 loss. He used it in against Empoli the, the match after. He didn't use it against Bologna, but now back at home. With Miranda out of the squad, well, you've got to think that Medell will obviously create that central point, and he's been magnificent in that uh, position. So... Medell in the middle of a three, kind of three central backs and then the wing backs kind of going forward and back. It doesn't seem like a bad option because it, uh, I guess it provides some extra cover for Inter's wing backs, which are constantly found uh, out of position. So I didn't mind that kind of structure, uh, particularly against Juventus, as um, when they were found out, you had those three at the back which were covering. So it was it was kind of fine in that respect. So then if he does play three at the back, well, you've got Medell in the middle, you've got Miranda, uh, Murillo, who will come in on one side, but then who fills the other side? So uh, Sainsbury looks like possibly the best option there. Um, I mean, I can't see you want, I can't see Pioli wanting to play, I mean, an Ansaldi or anything like that in a three-man defence. It doesn't seem... I mean, that's a massive risk. But then also Sainsbury, first game in Serie to play and face up to the likes of Mohamed Salah running at you, like that's huge as well. So I'm really intrigued, excited slash nervous to see what Pioli dishes up because it's this is a big match for Pioli, I think, in terms of how he approaches it and how he manages to get through it against a rampant Roma attack. So I think any kind of neutral fans should definitely tune into it. It could be... Very interesting. And hopefully we get to see an Aussie in Serie A again. Yeah, hopefully for your sake. And it will give us at least 10 minutes of material for next week's podcast <laughs> if he does come on even for 10 minutes. But there are a few good games this 
weekend. That is the late game on Sunday evening. But also this weekend, we're not going to talk about it, don't worry. But on Saturday, at 6 o'clock in Italy, uh, Napoli host Atalanta, which is obviously mm. an interesting one. And then on the Monday night, Fiorentina play Torino, which is, what's that, 8th versus ninth? So mm. Torino could go there and really take it to Fiorentina, which would be exciting to watch. But um, and another game that might actually be worth keeping an eye on is Chievo at home to Pescara because there could be goals on that. That could that could finish seven four or something. Yeah. You know? so anything with Pescara, I think, as a rule, is worth keeping an eye on for the rest of the season because you're going to get goals. Um, so that will that'll actually do it for Serie A. We're going to move down and look at Serie B now. Um, Luca, I warned you to prepare yourself for this. But uh, Verona played Spal in a something of a top-of-the-table clash at the weekend. I think it finished in a draw. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Verona are now third on 46 points and Spal are fourth on 45. Um, first place only has 48, so it's quite close there. Yeah, it is all very close. Verona have uh, been struggling for a bit. They one in four and then scored in their last two, the game against Spal. It was a top-of-the-table kind of clash with a lot on the line they just turned out just a very dull draw very little happened and uh, it was almost overshadowed kind of quite tragically by uh, what a Spal fan fell out of the away end um, which is sort of on the upper tier and he just fell onto the sort of concrete ground below and uh, they had to take him off to hospital and I think he's in a stable condition now but I think they put him in a, a medically induced coma for a while so that was a kind of a sort of worrying side note to that. But as you said, it's all very close. At the top you've got Frosinone moved, moved top on uh, 48. Then Benevento, they've won their last two. They've got 46. And then Verona, been going for a bit of a blip, leveled them on points on 46. I think a few of the fans are getting a bit a bit annoyed there, a few criticisms of Piquia. But if, if this is their kind of blip and they get over it, then perhaps they, they should be okay with them. Spell also uh, had a couple of players called up recently for this sort of training camp that Ventura is having with uh, Italy for all these younger players. And uh, they were Moret, the goalkeeper, who I've always liked on the few times I've seen him as a promising young keeper. And uh, Bonnie Fazio, a defender who played well against Verona. So, yeah, so it's all very interesting in uh, Serie B. Quite, quite a lot to play for, and probably more than in Serie A for a lot of teams. And you've got a few of these young players as well who are sort of getting in and around the Italy set up and uh, you'd imagine that a lot of the, the Serie A teams will be keeping an eye on them too. Definitely. Um, it might be a long shot, but uh, have you been keeping your eye on things at the bottom? Uh, a quick glance at the table and two names that would stand out to me are Ternana and Provercelli are down battling relegation. How do you think that's going to shape up in the next few weeks? Uh, well, I think Ternana, they've sort of, not necessarily panic, but they made a few kind of big name signings in that Christian Ledesma's gone there and uh, Mohamed Sissoko, formerly of uh, Liverpool, Valencia and Juventus. So I think they're sort of trying to count on uh, experience. They've been really struggling recently, but I suppose if these these experienced players can come in with all the, the ability they've clearly got and they're, they're fit and able to hit the ground running, that could uh, sort of try and keep them up and but they they have been struggling as you said and uh, I think Pro Vercelli as well sort of did the same thing they've uh, signed Rolando Bianchi formerly of uh, Man City and uh, it was Torino as well so yeah they're, they're both in a bit of a struggle but uh, they've got these uh, players in perhaps that work I think Ternan also have uh, Lagumina who's uh, another one of these young players who's kind of on in and around the Italy sort of youth set up I think he's on loan from uh, Palermo but They've really been struggling, but it's, there's not much space at the bottom either. So a couple of wins and it could all change around. Yeah, um, Marco Jackson actually wrote about Provercelli this week with a, a bit of a historical look at it. And then he wrote to me within hours of him submitting it to pending, saying, can I just go back and change that ending? Because they've signed one of my favourite players. Marco is a big, big fan of Rolando Bianchi. So that'll be interesting to read. I'm hoping to get it up tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I didn't realize Mohamed Sissoko and Christian Ledesma had gone down to Ternana. That's they're two good signings, and you would hope that they can help them in their battle against relegation. Uh, Nick, 
I think I had something to come to you with. Oh, yeah, that's pretty much that. We're leaving it at a quick one this week. So, Nick, give the people a, a YouTube roundup there, please. Okay. Um, on Saturday, if anyone wasn't aware yet, uh, we were posting all over Twitter and everything, but it was the great Roberto Baggio's 50th birthday. So I did a little bit of a tribute video for that, um, took a look back at his career and basically just paid homage to um, what I consider to be the, the greatest Italian footballer that I've ever seen, um, no doubt. So um, if you want to go check that out, as I mentioned, Vieri's done that piece on, that piece on Zeman. Um, we've obviously did that. We did a, a bit of a post-match analysis of Fiorentina, AC Milan after that game, and we'll look to do another one for Inter-Roma on the weekend. I think that's Sunday night. So um, there's a team of the week from last weekend that Vieri's done. So we're, we've been putting quite a bit up there. There's also the full uh, preview that I did for Porto and Juventus for Wednesday night. So check that out as well. So we're trying to get content as often as possible and um, cover as much topic as topics as possible. So please subscribe, give them a watch if you like it. Um, I don't know, like the videos, give us a comment, uh, share the videos. And if you're feeling really generous, then we'd love you to go onto Patreon and uh, give us um, anything you might be able to spare. Um, it is just we don't pocket anything, basically. It just goes towards us being able to uh, improve the product that we're del- trying to deliver to culture fans. So um Appreciate any support. Yeah, and I appreciate you taking the Patreon plug off my hands. But, um, yeah, no, really. Um, it's rare that I say anything nice to Nick, but <laughs> really that Roberto Baggio video moved me. I won't lie. You, I was watching it and I was, the hair on the back of my neck was standing up and you took a second. I think my house is about to fall down. Sorry. You took a second away from the professionalism and um, you shared a couple of personal thoughts. And I think I put out a tweet saying that it was the best video we've put up on FIF TV so far. And honestly, yeah, man. brilliant work there. Um, Luca has kindly reminded me that we're not quite finished yet. We've got nope. a couple of listener questions. Uh, Luca, you're our Bologna man this year. And we did get a question from someone whose name I haven't got in front of me. Okay, it's Jack Unwin, and he wants to know, is Donadoni in danger at Bologna? Four losses on the bounce, three at home. Luca? Uh, I think my personal opinion would be that he's not. I think they've got the sort of liberty of not really being in a serious relegation fight. They've got quite a young team, and I suppose with all these young players, they don't really want to kind of upset, upset the setup that they've got there, so... even even though they've sort of really been struggling recently and they've kind of found like very dramatic ways to sort of lose games recently like losing to nine men conceding seven losing to a Gabby goal goal it's it's not like they were quite good before those four games it's just they've just got these sort of consistent problems where they concede these late goals and other than that they're actually not that bad and they've got a sort of young team I think they would prefer to have some consistency in terms of who who's leading these young players to just get the most out of them moving forward to next season. Then Genoa away, Mandolini's first game at Genoa will be a be interesting test against two two teams are really having a like horrible time of it at the moment. But I think sort of just the sort of Bologna kind of they were they're like a kind of club at the moment which seems to have a bit more of a project. They seem to talk of a project of developing youth and moving forward and sort of trying to do things the right way. So I don't think they'd uh, really, really want to panic and get rid of Donadoni. Yeah, um, there was another question, but I've clicked out of it now. So it was about Napoli. Um, oh, it was basically, who should start in the next leg of the Champions League tie? Diawara or Jorginho? We were full of praise for Diawara's performance at the Bernabeu. So Nick, I'll let you take it. And I presume your answer is going to be Diawara. Yeah. Oh. Um yeah, it's it's difficult in that if you if you'd asked me last year would if there would be anyone else that should be filling that position if they were gonna play Real Madrid, I'd be 
saying there's no way in hell that anyone should be there except Jorginho. But, um, yeah, um, Diawara, I mean, look, Jorginho hasn't been at his best, I thought. He's made a lot more mistakes this season. He's been um, kind of more liable to that this season. And um, while as much as I like him, and I was one of those people that was really disappointed he wasn't in the Italy squad last season. I thought he was one of the best midfielders in the league last season. But I think against Real Madrid, they really need someone who's calm on the ball, um, who can kind of, who isn't going to be taken aback by the whole circumstance and the situation of the occasion. And as crazy as it seems, but I think a 19-year-old Diawara is is the man to do that. Um, so personally, I would have it Hamsik, Diawara, and actually possibly starting with Alan. Um, and I don't say that in a defensive way because I don't think they should necessarily be defensive. Obviously, they need to get a result. But um, I say in a way that I think Zielinski could potentially have more of an impact off the bench. I think uh, Napoli, if they are a chance, they need to start this match and get into the groove of this match very quickly. And I think those players can potentially get them into the flow quicker. Um, and then from there, reassess. Once they're in, once they're confident with the style of play they've got, then Sari can reassess his um, his options and then put in Zielinski when he thinks it's the right time because um, and then go for it because otherwise, I don't know, I, I think they, they could get caught out by the, the, the situation again. And um, I'm just looking in our personal little comment section of the video here. And Am I getting... I'm- I've been accused of being a Juventus fan again, and it's from you, Nick. <laughs> I'm not even going to respond to you. But, yeah, so, Nick, you touched on YouTube, Patreon. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Forza Italian Football. That's how you find us on Patreon as well. On Twitter, we are at Serie FFC. It's worth heading over to the website this week because, as we discussed last week, Kev was writing a piece on Fiuzzi Gulam and that's gone up now. A lot of people are agreeing and even more are disagreeing with it. Kev's claimed that he is one of, if not the best left back in the world at the moment, but before you start disagreeing with it, go and read it because there's been people disagreeing with it and kind of showing that they didn't read it by saying, what about such and such? And those players were inevitably named in the article. But yeah, read things before you give out about them. Um, Marco has something on Provicelli. Vito is writing something on Zaman, which will go nicely with the video that's going up as well. That that went up, sorry. I might write something on Juventus because I, I support them and stuff. So uh, yeah, maybe I I'll... was. Um, I'm I'm looking to. I, I keep trying to pitch a three thousand word report on Trent Sainsbury, but it keeps getting no. Turn your mic off, please. So Oscar Lagnabino will be writing five things to look out for in Serie A this weekend, as he does every Friday. Nick, you are not allowed to talk about Trent Sainsbury unless you are told to. But yeah, uh, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Z. Carol, the Zeds for Zanetti. Luca at Combizono. I don't know why. And I'm at Culture. But yeah, I haven't decided what song is going to go in at the end of this week's. Have you guys got any suggestions, no? Uh, Land Down Under. Luca, um, have you got any suggestions? We'll just ignore Nick. Uh, I'll just send you some rubbish Italian pop music. <laughs> Make any serious suggestions. Um, what's that Spanish guy? He sings Sofia. Alvaro. Uh, no. Alvaro something. Sing it. Marata. Yeah, it's a, song like that. it's a good song. I listen to that at work sometimes when I want a bit of spice. Right, well, right, well, send it to me and we'll see what we can do. But yeah, that's it for this week. We'll talk to you again next week with myself and Luca from everyone at Forza Italian Football. Talk to you next week and it's ciao for now.
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.